You're listening to The Encounter Podcast, featuring the latest messages and teachings by David Diga Hernandez. Don't forget to subscribe. The Encounter Podcast, encounter the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to beg and plead to enjoy the presence of the precious Holy Spirit. Entering His presence is easy, and I want to show you how to do that. After I'm through with this teaching, I'm believing with you that you will have an encounter with the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. I believe this message will stir your faith. It will bring clarity. And then I believe you're going to encounter the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Believe it with me. We're going to be talking about deep matters of the Spirit. Now, it's important to remember that every believer has the Holy Spirit. If you're a born-again believer, you've placed your faith in Christ, then you have the Holy Spirit in fullness. He doesn't divide himself into portions. There is no baby Holy Spirit. There is no new convert Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells in you in fullness, nothing lacking. The same Spirit who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. The Holy Spirit is not a reward for being spiritual. He is the only chance that you have at being spiritual. He's not a reward for holiness. He's your source for holiness. You don't perform to receive the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit, and you've had the Holy Spirit since the moment that you were born again. So when I talk about entering the presence of the Holy Spirit, I'm talking about entering an awareness of the Holy Spirit, experiencing of His presence. When you look at the Scripture, you see that there are three expressions to the presence of God. Number one, we have the omnipresence of God. Psalm 139, 7 and 8 say this, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. That's the omnipresence of God. I call this the everywhereness of God. In other words, there's nowhere that you can go that God won't be aware of you. He's everywhere at all times. That's the omnipresence of God. Yet we understand that believers carry the presence of God in a way that unbelievers do not. That's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. You can also reference Romans chapter 8, verse 9, if you'd like. But 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says this, What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? In other words, not only does God dwell everywhere at all times, but there is a different kind of influence of his presence that dwells in the believer. The Holy Spirit dwells in the born-again believer in a way that he does not dwell in the unbeliever. The Holy Spirit dwells in those who've placed their faith in Christ in a way that he does not dwell in those who've yet to do so. So the Holy Spirit dwells in you, giving you an empowerment giving you a grace. His presence abides with you in a way that is distinct from the rest of the world. Because if the omnipresence of God meant that everyone had the presence of God in the same way, there would be no need for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. But in fact, we understand that there's the omnipresence of God and then a heightened level of influence wherein we find the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. He dwells in you. And then we see the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, what do I mean when I say the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit? I'm talking about when the presence that's in you reveals itself in an obvious way. 
in a tangible way. This can be physically. Sometimes people feel the power of the Holy Spirit like a heat or a wave or like electricity. You don't need to feel the presence of God in order to have the presence of God. The manifest presence of God sometimes confuses believers, not that his presence is confusing, but the way we look at it can be, because some imagine that if they are not always feeling God physically or emotionally, that for some reason he's left them, but that's not the case. The Holy Spirit does not abandon the born-again believer. He abides. Ephesians 4.30 tells us that when we make mistakes, when we disobey, that he seals us, yes, and we are sealed by the Holy Spirit unto salvation. So the Holy Spirit doesn't leave. He grieves and the conviction becomes stronger. So the presence of God dwells with you 24-7, whether you feel him or not, whether you believe that or not, whether you think you're worthy of it or not. If you're a born-again believer, you have the Holy Spirit and he abides. This is not a license to sin because the Holy Spirit doesn't abide to excuse your sin. He abides to help you get it right to help you live clean, to help you live holy. Think about it. What sense would it make for God to remove from you your only chance at being holy as a punishment for you not being holy? So the Holy Spirit says, I will abide and I will help you walk in holiness. Again, not a license to sin. Don't take advantage of that grace, but he remains patiently to help you become more like Christ. That's the indwelling presence. Now, contrasting this with the manifest presence, the manifest presence is more of our awareness of God. It's not that the presence of God comes and goes. Sometimes we say things like that, don't we? We're in a church service and we say things like, well, the Holy Spirit fell. And I don't necessarily have an issue with that kind of lingo because I know what people mean when they say that. Now, religious people might nitpick at that terminology, but we understand that when we say the Holy Spirit fell or the Holy Spirit showed up or the presence of God filled the room, we're not saying that God wasn't always omnipresent, nor are we saying that the believer didn't always have the Holy Spirit within them. Rather, what we're saying is that there was something tangible that manifested about the presence of God. People felt a physical sensation. Maybe somebody was healed. Maybe somebody was delivered. Maybe a drug addiction was broken. And the presence of God doesn't just manifest in the physical realm. When I talk about the manifestations of his presence, I'm talking about the fact that sometimes we can even feel the work of the Holy Spirit through our emotions. Now, it's important to remember that not every emotional experience is an encounter with God. That's very key to remember. But sometimes an experience in the presence of God can be emotional. And so it's not by emotion that we enter his presence. But when we become aware of his presence, sometimes that causes us to experience emotion. And there's nothing wrong with that. Every aspect of your nature was designed to respond to God. We see an example of this in Acts chapter 2 where the scripture says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Verse two, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. So here we see an example of the physical manifestation of the presence of God. This is not to say that God had abandoned them up until this point. We don't believe that not even for a moment, for Jesus said, I'll be with you always, even unto the end of the age. So it's not that God abandoned them and just now is showing up again here in Acts chapter 2. It's not even that the Holy Spirit abandoned them or hadn't been in them yet and is just now showing up. Think about the fact that Jesus breathed upon them and said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. Those very same waited until this manifestation in Acts chapter 2. So here what we're seeing is the work of the Holy Spirit 
becoming apparent in the physical realm or becoming so apparent that we become aware of it in our emotions. And that's what I'm talking about when I say that there's a manifested presence of God. I'm talking about the experience of his presence and the awareness of his presence in any capacity, in any form. The breaking of an addiction is a manifestation of the presence of God. When you worship and you sense this joy come over you, that's a manifestation of the presence of God. When the healing power of God is moving in a certain service and you feel like a heat come upon you, that's a physical manifestation of the presence of God. Now, it's important that we stay balanced and grounded on the word. These things do happen. But remember that we don't seek an experience. We seek a person. Nor do we measure our faith or our maturity by how often we have these experiences. I think that's important to remember that just because somebody may feel a physical manifestation more often doesn't necessarily mean that they're more important to God or that they're more favored by God or that they're more mature in the faith. It just means that that's what God is doing for them at that season in their life. Take, for example, uh, myself. When I'm in a service and I'm praying for the sick, I often feel that heat being manifested on my physical being. But this isn't because I have more favor from God or because I'm more important or because I'm more mature. I know many believers who are more mature than I. They're more um, grown in their character in Christ and they don't necessarily have those manifestations as often. That just has to do with my assignment as someone who's assigned in the body of Christ to have a ministry that's focused a little more so maybe than other ministries on praying for the sick. Not that that's the center of the message. Of course, Jesus is the center. The gospel is the center. Um, but in my assignment, that's what I've been assigned to experience more often than not. And so again, these manifestations aren't the measure by which we compare our lives with one another. They aren't the standard that we have to meet to determine whether we're close to God or whether mature, we're mature or whether we're favored or whether we're accepted. So don't obsess about these manifestations. It's just important that, again, we keep that biblical balance when it comes to the manifestations of the presence of God. Nor should you run your life based upon manifestations. They happen. We appreciate them. We enjoy them. It's okay to ask God for encounters in his presence like that. There's nothing wrong with that. There's a difference between asking in faith and demanding in cynicism. So we're asking in faith, God, I'd love to have more encounters in your spirit. I'd love to have more um, experiences in the manifest presence. Nothing wrong with that, especially because we love the presence of God. We love anything and everything that has to do with the Holy Spirit. But again, don't be so obsessed with these that you measure your whole walk with Christ based upon these. And remember also not to let these things guide your life. We're guided by the word, by wisdom, and by the voice of the Holy Spirit that speaks through those. So we can see other examples throughout Scripture. Uh, like, for example, uh, you see the handkerchiefs that were taken off of the apostle's body or the shadow that healed. There's different manifestations of power. The woman with the issue of blood, she touches the hem of Jesus' garment, and he felt power go out of him. So you'll see this happen all throughout Scripture. So how do we enter that awareness of the Holy Spirit? How do we enter that experience of his presence? I want to show you three simple keys. Now, this is not a formula, and I want to say this clearly. This is not a formula that's going to obligate God to respond to you, because sometimes I think we imagine that faith is transactional uh, or more transactional than it actually is, or we imagine that if we have faith, that if we go through the right motions, that God absolutely must do this, or he's obligated to move in a certain way, and that's not the case at all. Of course, we position ourselves in faith, 
but then we trust in the sovereignty of God to do as he wills at any moment of any time, or at any, at any moment at any time. So when I give you these keys, I'm just speaking biblical principles in regards to our faith, in regards to our experiences in his presence that may position you to better uh, acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit or maybe weaken the flesh or increase your faith and so forth. But again, these, this is not a formula that you're going to use to say, okay, God, now you have to do something for me. Uh, really, it comes down to simplicity of faith and simplicity of heart and that sincere desire to encounter. But I'll give these to you. Uh, just keep that caveat in mind. Number one, it's faith. You have to start with faith. It starts with faith. Simple. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, tell us how we should approach God. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Verse 16, because of what Christ has done, because of his sacrifice, because of who he is, now we can say, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So we can now approach the Lord with boldness. So many believers approach the Lord with doubt, and they don't even realize that they're allowing their flesh to get in the way of their appreciation of and awareness of the presence of God. You see, the omnipresence of God is God's awareness of all things. The manifest presence of God is your awareness of his presence. So the omnipresence of God has more to do with his awareness of all. The manifest presence of God has more to do with your awareness of him. When you worship, it's not that God is coming closer. When you pray, it's not that God is coming closer. When you believe, it's not that God's power is coming closer. Rather, it's that you are becoming more aware of that which was already there. And so when we approach God with this bold faith, with this certainty, with this confidence in the finished work of the cross, we know that God is not hesitant. God does not have reservations. God is not just barely putting up with us. It's not as though God is obligated and he's begrudgingly welcoming us into his presence. Some of us imagine that when we pray, God is, you know, kind of just shaking his head, sighing and saying, well, here we go again. Well, look who came back. Well, look who wants to talk to me now. And we act as though we're hanging by a thread. My friend, you're not hanging by a thread. You are secure in Christ. He loves you. God loves you. You are his child and you can enter boldly. So when you begin to pray, when you begin to seek his face, don't start with begging for his presence. You already have his presence. Don't start with pleading for God to pay attention to you. He's already paying attention to you. Prayer and worship are not negotiations to convince God to give you his attention. That's not at all what's happening. And many of us exhaust ourselves. We become just tired and drained and strained. Why? Because we approach prayer and worship as if it's performative. As if if I just jumped a little higher, God would move. If I just shouted a little louder, God would move. If I just prayed for 60 seconds more, God would move. Now I understand that there is something to be said about time in prayer. There is something to be said about heartfelt worship. There is something to be said about releasing shouts of praise. That's all biblical. But you have to understand, and my main point here, is that it begins in connection. You are not trying 
to work for a connection with God. You already have that. You're working from that connection. He's already paid the price. He's already paid your entryway. He's already welcomed you in. You are welcomed. And so he is looking at you. He is listening to you. He is paying attention to you. You have God's attention. He's in the room with you right now. Even as I'm talking, he's in the room with you right now. He's there with you. He's there right now. He was there before I began to talk to you. He'll be there even after you stop listening to this audio. He's present. And so we don't begin with pleading. We don't begin with begging. We don't begin with trying to convince God to hear us. We begin knowing I'm accepted, not because of anything I've done, but because of what Christ has done. I am welcomed into his presence, not because of anything I have done, but because of what Christ has done. Jesus paid the price. I live in his perfection. I stand in who he is. I'm seated with him in heavenly places, and I can enter boldly now into the throne room of grace. Why? Because of what Jesus did. So it begins with faith. Once you've cleared all of that out of the way, all of that second guessing, all of that self-hatred, all of that self-condemnation, once you've thrown all of that out of the way, and by the way, that's a form of self-righteousness. I don't have time to get into why that is, but that's a form of self-righteousness and pride. That's ego. That's legalism. Like we can earn our way into the presence of God anyway. Anyway, that's a different message for a different time. But the point is, he's paid the way. And now when you go to pray, stop with the begging. Stop with trying to convince God. Just say, I'm connected. Just say he already loves me. Just say he's already listening. And you watch how different your time in prayer and worship and the word will be. Number two, meditate on the word. I'm talking about the experience and awareness of his presence. 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, that's you, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Watch this now. This is powerful. One of my favorite portions of scripture. And we all, who with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. Here the Bible is describing this looking unto Jesus this reflecting of the glory of God. Remember, God is light. We are not the source. We're nothing aside from him. We're nothing apart from him. We are merely reflections. We are reflections. God is the source. He is the light. We are the mirrors, but we have to be pointed at him to reflect him. And so when you focus on the Lord, when you give him your attention, when you meditate on who he is, how do you do that? The word, the word, the word. The word reveals Christ. The word is spirit and life. The word is divinely inspired. The word is the revelation of who he is. The word, the word, the word, the word. Let that be your foundation. And then as the Holy Spirit reveals God through the word, pay attention to it. What is meditation? Well, many people think that's a bad word because of what the new age teaches. And, you know, the enemy is always trying to hijack the power of God. He can't do it. He can always imitate, but never duplicate the power of God. But what is meditation? Meditation, simply put, is repetition in thought. 
repeating again and again. Psalm 1 talks about this, where you delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night, and then you become like a tree planted by a river of water. There's fruitfulness, there's life, there's strength, there's deep roots, and that's what happens when you begin to meditate on the Word. Don't just read the Word. Meditate on the Word. Let it, let it consume you. Don't just read past it and be done with it. Take your time with the Word. Be like a sponge. Soak that up. And as you're doing this, as you are reading the Word, listen, you're not just reading the Word. When you have the Holy Spirit, when you read the Word guided by the Holy Spirit, you're not just reading the Word, you're fellowshipping now with a person. And, and, and the Holy Spirit begins to reveal Christ. You know, that's the Holy Spirit's job. One of his primary roles is to glorify Jesus, to point to Jesus, to talk about Jesus, to remind you of the sayings of Jesus. And so as you begin to look unto Jesus and you're meditating on him through the meditation of the truths of the word and the Holy Spirit is guiding you there, now you begin to reflect him. And then it says, watch this, and we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory or from glory to glory. Why? Because I'm spending time with him. You become like who you spend time with. More importantly, you become like that which you worship. Let me say that again. You become like that which you worship. When you focus on the Lord now through the word and through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, you're now seeing things in him, treasures and revelations. And those treasures, those revelations, that, that truth begins to affect you, transform you. It changes your very nature. That's the power of the word. So number one is faith. Approach with boldness. I'm boldly coming to the throne of grace. Number two, meditate on the word. The word is the substance with which the Holy Spirit creates the character of Christ in you. And the word is our foundation. The word is the safety net. You want to talk about encounters in the spirit? You want to talk about the spiritual realm? Hear me now. You're not grounded on the word. You're going to lose your mind. People teach some weird things these days like wacky, unbiblical notions. And it comes from not being grounded on the word. But when you're grounded on the word, there's a safety net. Why? Because the moment we take our eyes off of Jesus and the moment we shift our focus from who he is to what he does, we're in danger. Well, that's why ministers get off track. That's why people lose their minds. That's why people get wacky, weird, bizarre, disconnected, isolated, because they took their eyes off Jesus. Listen, I love healing. I love deliverance. I love miracles. I love the prophetic. I love encounters with the Holy Spirit. That's wonderful, wonderful experiences. But the message cannot become healing. The focus can't become healing. The focus cannot become deliverance. The focus cannot become the prophetic or miracles or encounters or manifestations. Because if you seek manifestations, you may or may not get an encounter with God. You may end up delving into the flesh and just imagination, and sometimes it gets a little odd. But when you seek Jesus, when you seek the person through the word, by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, through faith, when you seek Jesus, then the encounters that you do have, you know, are genuine because they're coming from your encounters with the one true Jesus, the word. So number one, approach with faith. Number two, meditate on the word. And number three, worship. Do you know, sometimes 
I'll put it this way. A form of worship can simply be intensity of attention. Let the Holy Spirit allow that to sink in. Worship is sometimes, not all the time, one aspect of worship, I should say, is intensity of attention, obsessing over something. Do you, do you obsess over that person? Do you obsess over that goal? Do you obsess over that gain? Do you obsess over the material things of this world? What are you obsessing over? What has your attention? What has your focus? Intensity of attention is a manifestation of worship. Who or what has your attention? Where is that, that the energy of that? I don't, I don't mean energy in like the new age sense. I mean the mental energy, the emotional energy. Where are you focusing that? Are you putting it on Jesus or on things that will drain you? Things that will cause you to come up empty once you finally obtain them. You have to learn to focus on him. Here's what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. This is so key. And the reason this works is because you forget about everything around you. You know, when I used to do prayer lines when praying for the sick, I would notice something. And I say used to do prayer lines. It's not that I don't pray for the sick anymore. It's that the Lord has increased his ministry so much that it's not possible to do prayer lines anymore at events because the, the, the crowds are so large and it's just to get to everyone is just not possible. And so what we do now is we pray in mass and the Lord does the work. And we know it's, it's the hands of Jesus that bring healing anyway. So we just join our faith together. But the point I'm making here is that when we would do those prayer lines, you know, maybe there's 30, 40 people up in the front and I would go down the line praying for people. I would recognize a pattern. The people who were focused on me, who were looking around at others to see what they're experiencing, they rarely experienced the touch of God's power. Why? Because they were so consumed by Am I going to have an experience? Am I going to feel something? Am I, am, is there something that's going to manifest here? And they were so focused on the encounter itself that they missed Jesus. And then there were others that were looking at me as if I was the answer to their problem. I'm not. I'm just a servant of God. God is the source. We know that. All glory belongs to Jesus. We know that. There's only one healer, one deliverer, and that's Jesus. But sometimes people are conditioned to think in certain ways because of certain doctrines, maybe, I don't know, upbringing, church culture, but they, they, they look to you with such intensity as if you're the answer to their problem. And they're just looking and, I, and they would like, watch me like this, like just waiting, waiting, waiting for them. Or they would do this. They would motion for me to come and lay hands on them. Like, hurry, come over here. It's urgent. And I would, I would oblige because, you know, you don't want to just ignore people. But in praying for them, I would often notice that those people rarely got healed. Those people rarely got delivered. They're so wrapped up in their emotions. They're so tense and they're so, everything's just, it's, 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 it's urgent. It's, 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 there's this neediness to it. And I'm not necessarily speaking negatively about that neediness. We all have those seasons. But I mean neediness in the sense that they're looking to man, not to God. We can take our neediness to him for sure, but not to man. And, and so I would notice this, but the people who got healed most often, 
the people who would experience true encounters in the presence of the Holy Spirit, and on a side note, some people fake it, the people who truly encountered the, the Lord, these were the ones who were just caught up in worship. And it's not that there's magic to a song. We don't believe in magic. It's not that, oh, the trick or the formula is to sing a certain worship song in a certain note. No, it's that they were so focused on Jesus, it was almost like they forgot about the need at all. It's almost like they were so focused on Jesus, they forgot about the sickness. They were so focused on Jesus, they forgot about the bondage. They were so focused on Jesus, they forgot about the need. Why? Because they were, they were raptured in their intensity of attention focused on the person of Jesus. Thou wilt keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Focus on Jesus. So when your mind is going all over the place, when, you're, when you feel that tension of emotion, that tension of maybe your mental anguish, that tension of neediness, and we all have needs, when you find yourself in that place, it's important to remember that there's only one place that you can look. There's only one direction that you can look to find peace, to find wholeness, to find healing, to find deliverance. That's Jesus. Look unto Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Not on man, not on ministry, not on music. Focus on Jesus. And the moment you do this, everything else begins to fade into the background. And I mean truly focus, not like pretend to focus with one eye open, hoping God sees you focusing. It's not a formula. It doesn't work like that. I'm talking about truly being enamored with Jesus, obsessed with him, focused on him, consumed by him. He's the center. He's the object or he's the subject of your affection. And, and you, you look to him now and, 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 and just, you just worship him. You just adore, you just look at him and adore. You just look at him and love. You just look at him and, and be wowed. You know, sometimes worship is just being awed by him. That inspires something in you. Worship is everything in you responding to everything that you see in God. And by the way, worship can only come by revelation. You can sing without a revelation. You can dance without a revelation. But true worship begins in revelation. That is to catch a glimpse of him as revealed by the Holy Spirit through the word, to see something in him, to appreciate something in him. And I don't mean necessarily even seeing something brand new. It can just be coming to a moment of appreciation. Like there are moments when I see my wife, I see my daughter. And then there are moments where I see my wife and I see my daughter and there's just that moment where you're looking at them and there's just this sense of appreciation, this sense of love, this, this adoring of them. In the same way, sometimes we, we intellectually are aware. Yes, the Lord loves me. Yes, God is good. Yes, he's all powerful and, and so forth. And then there are those moments where we really see that. We, we know intellectually he's with me. Yeah, he's with me. And then there are those moments where we really see that he's with us. That's what I'm talking about when I say that we turn our focus to him, completely raptured in who he is, raptured and captured in his nature. And that's why it works. So many people try to gain through striving, 
what can only be found in surrender. Some people try to gain in striving what can only be found in surrender. So lift your hands right now, close your eyes. Don't allow the enemy to distract you. I know the teaching is done, and typically the temptation is now to click on what's next. Don't do that. Focus now. And I believe that as we turn our focus to Jesus, that's where true transformation happens. Don't worry about the experience. Don't worry about the encounter. Just be aware of him. Just appreciate him. Just love him. Just adore him. Lift your hands right now. Come on. Lavish him with your praises. Speak aloud those things which are in your heart concerning him. Allow the Holy Spirit to inspire true worship to begin to flow through you now. Jesus, we thank you and we love you. I want you to close your eyes and with the eyes of your heart, see him now as the Holy Spirit reveals him. Jesus, you're all-powerful. Jesus, you are glorious. Jesus, you are loving and kind and compassionate and merciful. You are life. You are truth. You are the all in all. Come on, just begin to worship him. Forget about your troubles now. Forget about that which you're believing for. Don't let the enemy lie to you now. He's accepting you. He's looking at you. He's listening to you. He's with you. You don't have to earn his presence. His presence comes not by performance, but by faith. Focus on what the Holy Spirit has revealed about the Lord Jesus through the Word. Let the Word permeate you. Let the Word inspire that worship. And just begin to love Him now. You're so glorious, Lord. Beyond imagination. Beauty that captures. For only in you, Jesus, can we find the satisfaction for the deepest longing of the human heart. You are the treasure. You are the goal. You are the end result. We just want you. Thank you for being with us. Thank you that your presence abides with us. Where else could we go? There's none like you. There's none like you, Jesus. Just take that moment now. Let his power begin to touch your life. Wow. Thank you, Lord, for touching your people. Bring healing and deliverance. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to the Encounter Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe 
Support the podcast by becoming a monthly supporter or making a one-time donation now. To give, just go to davidhernandezministries.com slash donate. Until next time, remember, nothing is impossible with God.